Today's episode of The Ringer MBA Show is brought to you by Google G Suite. G Suite by Google Cloud is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. You can make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of multiple versions. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. To find out more, visit gsuite.com. Basketball is very good. Anthony Davis will win the MVP this year. The Hawks trading Doncic was a smart move. What if the Cavs are better without LeBron? Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's group chat. I'm here with Paolo Getty. What's up? Justin Verrier. Hooray! And Haley O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Uh, today on Group Chat, we're going to break the NBA up into tiers. But we're not just going to go the elite, the pretenders. We're just going to kind of like break these get things up into a little bit more interesting genus and fauna. I, I don't remember anything from middle school biology, so if you guys want to jump in I think here. Strata was the right, I think you used it. You right. seem like the kind of guy, Justin, if I can just jump in here. <laughs> sure, please. Uh, who was like probably could have been like a great chemist but at the last second was like I love I love basketball I was really bad at all math and sciences oh, actually okay. like, I'm really curious all, to think, think of what were. you think my backup was bartender oh, Holden poker player <laughs> <laughs> professional Holden player I bartender I think much highly for you yeah Bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then you got super into right journalism. Okay, so I'm here with a bounty hunter, a chemist, and a Texas Hold'em player. And we're going to break the NBA into these tiers. We'll start at the very, very top. Um, and I think there's w- w- one thing that we're all grappling with 10 games into the season is the not, not so sudden realization <laughs> that this is a league of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there's one team that is playing in like a kind of different cosmos than everybody else. So let's let's discuss the Warriors because they are into a tier by themselves. I even think exiting last season, we were grappling with that. I think that probably if we didn't think that for one second, it was like the latter half of last season. I definitely think that we, we spent a long time convincing ourselves that Houston could beat them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was the whole storyline last season. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in retrospect, and we can say this now, it's like maybe we underestimated how much separation the Warriors created for themselves this offseason with not only their moves, but other teams' lack of moves. Yeah, it does feel like there is more of a significant drop-off from one to the rest than there were last season, specifically because the Rockets aren't really a thing right now. Right, I don't think that's Golden State. I think that's the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. And having said that, though, I'm having more fun with the Warriors than I have in maybe four years. So much fun. Agreed. Like, every night has been a thing, and Paolo brought this up just the other day on the site. It's just there seems to be almost like a new challenge to each individual player each night, and it's almost like they're passing it off, and each person gets to have their showcase. They are 8-1. and They've won six in a row. They have uh, the second-best point differential in the league. And you're right. Every night it seems like another Warriors— player. We haven't really even had a breakout Durant game this season. No. Well, the Knicks won kind of. Yeah, I guess so. He took over in like subtle ways. I think he had like what, 40 something yeah. by just, the end of that 40 one? points. Basically yeah. giving a preview of next season when he's there all the time. Did you guys see on Twitter like when Clay was having his game that uh Steph was all hype about it. It was like passing him the ball. Yeah. And that yeah. Durant, not so much. I, I well, thought about that too, but then afterward, afterward he had Durant was pretty, pretty warm like, about it afterwards. Yeah. He was like, we were definitely like looking for Clay. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. This is like really all we have to do is to like read deep body language and say like, well, you see what he did in New York. But like, you know what that means? Before we even like do that, I do think that it, especially because so much of the league the past two years maybe has been about like the Warriors like run the league and it's like a, you know, it's like they're, they're so good. It's boring. I think it's like, it should be fun to like revel in like how much more fun they are so far in the, in the first few games. Like, and I think that's a lot because of how Steph is playing. Because we, I think we can all agree. I don't know. You guys can disagree with me if you want. But like when Steph is playing at the sub, I mean, he's had five threes in every game, but one. It makes the Warriors a far more appealing just from like an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, it's kind of like when it's just on the ground, you're like, why are we spending so much money on NASA? And then when you go to the moon, <laughs> you're like, oh man, we went to the moon. Did you just watch First Man? <laughs> <laughs> Watches First Man once. Uh, yeah, I, that's why I feel like I, you know, like reading. That's Kevin- kind of weird because I feel like the Warriors are gonna run into money problems and that's going to be their end too. Well, there you go. Mm. Right. So you should, you should, I'll, I'll expect 1500 words on how (laughs) the warriors mirror the space race. Um, yeah, I think that there's, there was something in Kevin's piece where he, his excellent piece where he was talking to Clay Thompson about how he does what he does that ran on Monday. And Clay was talking about some of the very like simple aspects of their offense where it's just like, I have these read-react options, basically, at various points in the offense, as does everybody. And then what happens is I either drive or I look for a pass or I take my shot. And more often than not, Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant is open. Mm -hmm. That's unbeatable. That will win you a championship. And I think that there's something about maybe, A, knowing that they're not going to play the Cavs this season in the finals, which is kind of exciting and like liberating. And B... If they make this, if they get this last title with Durant, assuming he takes off next season, I think you you cement them as probably one of the two or three best teams of all time. Having said that, I do think some of the theatrics at the start of the season has kind of overshadowed the fact that they are a little bit thin on the wing. There and you I, go. I still think that there are some concerns there. Concerns. Uh, <laughs> If, we got to get a concern troll. Down. Yeah, yeah I'm the concern <laughs> troll. Is that, is that I live under the bridge. They, fi- they should probably be Russian or yeah, something. That's right. Uh, we should do it in an old Greg voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, that was the big thing coming into the season. I still think those problems exist if, uh, if injuries occur and we still don't know how Boogie is going to work his way into it. Though it seems like, if anything, him getting tossed from the bench the other night just put them yeah. in more of a mood. And yes. They went out and crushed. I feel like he's going to come back and they're just going to try to make it their mission to feed him and like get him like 30-point games. And like, like I almost think that they're treating the season as like a how many cool things can we do? Yeah, <laughs> rather know? than like we're under the the... the the cost to get to this so set some regular season yeah. win record or we're constantly monitoring people's minutes and we're talking about the mental grind of playing with each other again this is seems to be for fun they're just going to let Iguodala essentially not play until spring <laughs> yeah, right. boogie's going to come back in the spring there'll be like new signings it, it's kind of it's kind of neat any other f- closing thoughts on the warriors their category is called it's already over that's the first category. <laughs> uh, the second category is probably the three stories of the season so far for basketball junkies. And this is the category I've determined called We Got Next. And these are teams that are starting to establish themselves as the next set of contenders, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is this trio of teams, the Bucks, Raptors, and Nuggets. Now, I think the Bucks and Raptors are super legit. Mm-hmm. And I think the Nuggets are, we're all kind of drunk on the Nuggets or high on the Nuggets if you're talking about Colorado. <laughs> but I don't really know... I don't know if I believe in it yet. 
I find it interesting that you say that about the Nuggets rather than the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, we, because we, the Bucks, we believed in the Bucks, like really, really fast. from the get go. I'm not saying it's without reason, mm-hmm. but I, that's interesting to me because even at the beginning of the season, we were like, "Well, he's just not surrounded by anybody." Yeah, and it turns out that he was. They just weren't shooting off threes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's one of those things where you can just literally take the number one player from each team and pit them against each other and be mm-hmm. like, "Okay, you know, Giannis is obviously." better than Jokic as good as Jokic is so that's why I think we get more you know maybe like affinity for the Bucks. I think this group is interesting to me because the Nuggets well just this tier oh yeah of, of three yeah. teams because I think the the Raptors have just kind of plugged in Kawhi in terms of where the DeMar's role was and just he's just so much better but there's like continuity with all three mm-hmm. teams and I like have kind of been thinking about this recently like the the how much continuity matters, especially early on in the season. And you can kind of see it with some of these teams. Like those three teams, they have continuity. Like, yes, Budenholzer came in and changed the system, and that obviously has revamped the Bucks. But the Nuggets all have the same guys. The Raptors all have the same guys except for Kawhi. So there's like a trend here, I think, of teams building upon a good season last year and taking it to another level this year. That's an interesting point. Also with the Raptors. Kawhi fits so perfectly because that's the direction they were trying to go anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to push Jamar back and make him more of a playmaker. And when Kawhi comes in, he's already at what Nick Nurse was trying yep. to make Demar last season. Yeah, I still am a little worried about the Nuggets. I'm not fully buying in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for all the talk about their defense this season, which has been impressive, uh, like the turnaround has to be among like the biggest in in recent history at the very least. But uh, I also look at the Bucks defense. They're third, mm-hmm. I believe, or, excuse me, second in the league right now. And we talked for so long about their length and like what they could be on defense. Sure. And finally, they're putting it together. And meanwhile, they have the sixth ranked offense. So it's this balance that I don't think any team besides the Warriors is really giving you at this point. Even the Celtics, a really good defensive team, doesn't have the offense to to really balance it at this point. And so to me, they're the most complete team outside of the Warriors, which is interesting to say because now the biggest threat is coming from the East, no matter who it is. Sure. Yeah. And I think that you can call this stuff small sample size theater to be like, oh, they're only 7-0. But if you look back over the last, like, I'm sure longer than this, but at least as long as I've been really, you know, watching basketball, when teams get off to these like 10-game hot streaks like this, like it actually matters. The, yeah. th- there is momentum for that. It happened with the 2000-2001 Sixers. It happened with mm-hmm. that uh, Timberwolves team that wound up beating the Kings and going to the Western Conference Finals and losing to the Lakers. They got off to a really hot start. This is like a huge thing for them to be 7-0, to have top two defense and have a top six offense is championship recipe stuff. And one thing that's interesting about the Bucks and the Raptors is like you were saying, Paolo, there is continuity there, but they did something brave. Both teams did something brave. Yeah, they brought mm-hmm. in a new coach and they uh, they they fundamentally revamped parts of their offense around whether it was new concepts or new players. And I think that it's just really fascinating. And it, it, they, they are this the trio is night to night the three teams that I'm always looking for on League Pass. Yep. I'm still not sold on the Nuggets. Like I, to me, they're as just a contender kind of, or as like a watchability a, team. A little bit of both, but specifically on a watchability team, it's just it's what they were last year, but just more refined. And I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, it's just another this. year to grow. Well, so I looked when you were saying that about their defense. I looked at their schedule and they played the Bulls, Pelicans without Anthony Davis, the Lakers, the Kings, the Warriors, the Suns, and the yeah. Clippers. It'll so it'll come back to those, earth. It, yeah, those numbers. Those numbers will, will come back to earth. And uh, so I have a a piece going Friday about the Nuggets defense because I talked to um, one of their assistant coaches who runs the defense and like even he was like self-aware about the, the defense he said we're not asking 
the team to be top 10. Like, we know we're probably not going to be top 10. We just want to be average because we know how good our offense is. And, like, I don't know if that's maybe, like, a little weird to say from him. Not this year. Not not this NBA season. Yeah, Yeah, Average defense is, is like, the friggin' bad boys. Yeah. And on offense, they're... 13th right now, which is fine, mm-hmm. but I do think they have to be in the top 10 to, to yeah. in order to... And I think they, ex- they expect that to a certain extent, that yeah. that'll go up I as mean, well. look where that success took the Wolves last year with their offense being so um, top-rated and then their defense being so poor. And the thing about the Nuggets' offense is that it's so much, a be- much of a better system than the Wolves were last season. Right. Yeah. I think, Justin, I wonder whether some of your skepticism is rooted in the fact that the Nuggets have this trio of players in Murray, Harris, and Jokic, where their progress isn't going to feel like Giannis progress. It's a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit more like all of a sudden Gary Harris is like one of the best two-way players in the league, but you're not, it doesn't doesn't show up in like these crazy Kawhi highlights where he chase down blocks a guy, scoops up a rebound, and then drills a three on the other end. It's like a little bit more subtle than that. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the Raptors and the Bucks, any given moment, you're going to see something incredible. Yeah, yeah and I also point. think with the Nuggets, it takes a little bit of imagination mm-hmm. to see Jokic ascending into like top 10 status because he is such a, a unicorn, like even a subsection amongst the unicorns. And, and then at the <laughs> He's a unicorn with a, nut, like, with a horn on his back. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who likes donuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But then also the, uh, in crunch time, are you turning to Murray? He's still a little more erratic than I'd care yeah. for. Sure. Well, that's when... Will Barton, who's not playing right now, will help them when he comes back. That's the hope. Yeah. All right. Can I, I concern so Troll? Hold on. With you on that. Let's <laughs> yeah. mark this right now. <laughs> will Barton. Yeah, what about gonna, Will Barton though? Yeah, people do not appreciate him. I, I, he's a good crunch time score. Um, can I concern Troll the Bucks just like a little bit? Yes. San Paulo, under the bridge. There you go. There you go. There's. A, <laughs> I'm working. Are on we it. worried at all about uh, Giannis's shot? Because he's shooting 2.73s a game, the most he shot in his career. But he's only making, he's he's making like six percent of them. Like his his percentage is he's making point two threes a game. So he's struggling from three. I don't think it matters as long as uh, the rest of the team is shooting as it is. Yeah, because genuinely, I think that the point is Budenholzer's like, dude, you've got to just try to shoot through it. Right. Because mm-hmm. the other the the other way that it could be is that he's Ben Simmons. I mean, he granted he's he was always been taking more attempts than Ben did, but. You've got to learn somehow. Mm-hmm. And as long as the rest of the people are making it, Giannis has obviously has other moves he can turn to. So it's essential that he learns it for the future. I don't think it's necessarily essential that he has that together and, right now. And also yeah. that he's telling defenses that he can, he can take it. Right. That's the exactly. thing. Is, yeah. it, is, is the honesty it creates among defenses and the fact that mm-hmm. there's this gravitational tilt and everybody has to go pay attention to this freak shooting threes now mm-hmm. it just makes life easier for chris middleton it's yeah. really, a real space theme yeah it is now. <laughs> yeah very cosmic yeah. <laughs> um all right let's move on to the next tier and this is the tier i've decided to call the hold steady love this band minnesota uh <laughs> punk rock band well, brooklyn really but um <laughs> who's to say <laughs> the hold steady is uh teams that are either holding on to pass gains or making incremental progress so this is a bunch of teams and you know within this group i think there are some surprises but I like that this this group of teams has come out and under the radar, with the exception of a few teams, has just been like we're weathering any blips on the radar and we're gonna we're just building slowly off of last season. And that's the Pelicans, the Pacers, the Blazers, the Spurs, and the Jazz. Now there are a couple of teams here. I think we thought were going to be much better than they were, aka mm-hmm. the Jazz. Uh, there are a couple of teams I think we thought were going to be much worse, like the Spurs. 
And then there are a couple of teams here, like the Blazers, Pacers, I guess the Pelicans, who are a little bit coming back, back down to earth after the first week. Well, I think that's also been the games they played. Like They played yeah. the Warriors last yeah, yeah. night. AD missed the two games before that, and then Alfred Payton also missed two plus, so three, essentially. Alfred Payton. Great fantasy Very important pickup. guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think tonight's game, I think I believe it's Pelicans-Blazers, I think that's going to tell a lot yeah. about both teams. Yeah, and again, I mean, I think that the this is a rematch of like a in some ways an inflection point yeah. series because it changed what we thought about what Anthony Davis could do with this New Orleans team and it also changed what I think what we thought about what the Lillard McCollum Blazers could be which is like they were so hot at the end of the second half of the season and they just got absolutely bombed out of the postseason which of these teams Haley here do you think are you most surprised by this season definitely not the Jazz I'm surprised that you're surprised about the Jazz because I think that it's very easy to see their trajectory going the same way it did last year okay. because of who they're coached by, because of who leads them. If you think about it, like a young player is always going to have parts where he's tripped up. And Donovan Mitchell had a very rocky start to last season in terms of shooting, mm-hmm. even though yeah. he came out of the gate as someone very exciting. So it's definitely not the Jazz for me. I think that I can see them definitely picking it up in the second half of the season as well as the Pelicans um, because their backcourt is new even though Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis's health is going to matter. Yeah. Same thing about that. Team I think it's got to be the Spurs. Yeah. The Pacers are the same. The Blazers are the same. It has to be the Spurs. Yes. And then, because and then everyone even, was, no, even with that, like they're like the most hold steady team of like all time. I feel like I as much mm-hmm. as we want to like move them from that tier, like I feel like they just belong there forever. Clyde's freaking sidelined and we're yeah. like, Oh, but they have Manu. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just the Spurs. They're not super fun to watch. But I, I think I had the most fun of the year so far watching them play the Lakers because it was just like all the fireworks going off around the Lakers and then the Spurs just getting to the spots on the floor that they wanted to get to and shooting 60%. Well, especially without DeJounte Murray. And I've yeah. heard a lot of people be like, well, he's not that important. Look at their roster. Look at this he team. Is yeah. This team is he nuts. would be so good in the, on this team. But like, if they can do this with Brent Forbes, like, or the, exactly. DeJounte would immediately it's make them really, so much better. It's really, really cool to see how they've, I don't want to say rebuilt, but how they've like put DeMar into the offense because they're like, dude, just do your thing. They, I mean, It's fine. But also, like, why don't you facilitate a little more? Granted, they beat the Suns last night, but they beat them by 30. And DeMar went 10 for 12 from the field, didn't take a three, five for five from free throws, 25 points, four boards, three assists. That's the other thing is they've been superb with free throws. They yeah. got to the line a ton and they, hold on, let me find these back. This is what happens if you do, place. if you do all these little things right that have been the same in basketball since like the 1940s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, how you give yourself a chance. Love me some fundamentals. Yeah. They're playing Be- to the strengths. <laughs> yeah. Before Monday's game, Popovich was like, I hate threes. Yeah. Why don't we just make the four point line? <laughs> <laughs> and he's still winning. Yeah. That's which, ridiculous. Which is weird because... Are you that, cynical about this team a little bit? Uh, no, I think this is, uh, to a certain extent, predictable. It's uh, the, the rest of the West is just kind of a mess, and the teams that seem to be like rising above it are the teams that just have some sort of system in place or some sort of culture in place to fall back upon. Yes, that's I interesting. Mean, I was bummed the past, uh, what was it, two weeks ago when we were going to talk about like takes that we were trying out. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about like, man, the Blazers, like, I think they could just be good simply because of what they already have. Because it's, it's Stotts' yeah. playbook, because these guys know how to right. run it, etc. Right, and then just like recency bias where they got blown out by the Pelicans, everyone thinks that they're in crisis now, but 
they've really just came into the season and done what they did in the past. And it's been good enough because there really isn't a lot of competition. Or there's competition, but it, there isn't as much of, of a top-heavy presence as we're used to. Uh, Michael C. Ray had a piece on ESPN the other day uh, about DeMar and his his first few months in San Antonio and just how, you know, how upsetting it was to get traded and what he felt like he meant to the Toronto organization. And and then he gets to San Antonio and there's this scene in this piece where he walks in and he basically sees the five banners and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess I know where I am now. And he talks about how everything you do from pregame to practice to how they treat the players and what everything is about is, I mean, he doesn't throw anybody on the bu- under the bus from any other franchise. He's just like, you just have a feeling like the people who are running this team understand how to win basketball games and that everything you're doing is going towards that goal. DeMar's such an interesting person because his game is a throwback in today's NBA. Right. But also, kind of his mentality is too. He wanted to stay with the Raptors his entire yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's got that in the Spurs, which is kind of like the franchise where... Where that happens. Well, he talks yeah, about, yeah. you know, what's, what's really interesting is in that piece, he talks about like, I don't drink... I don't really go out that much, and I'm like, "You're a perfect sperm." Yeah. <laughs> How, like, this you should have been all like, along. you know, you're. And and we talk a, a little bit in this that we got next year about like the Bucks players on the Bucks and Raptors, and this the leap that some of these guys are taking. What if Demar can still take a leap? Oh, what I if, absolutely think he will. What if Demar is like this playmaking combo guard now, who who can who's the be- Pop calls him the best passer on the team. Really? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yeah, he's looked. Right. He's who would you think is the best enhanced. passer on I that team? He's looked different. He's looked enhanced amongst the healthy players. Yeah, Rudy Gay. Yeah, But yeah, it is weird. The team they've assembled is essentially like guys not only who wouldn't fit you'd expect to fit in today's NBA, but the guys who are literally rebuked for it. Because yeah. not only yeah. Demar, yeah. Rudy Gay was like the antithesis of like the anti-analytics yeah. movement yeah. for several years yeah. to the point where he also went to Toronto and left because he couldn't do anything there. Yeah. It's it is fascinating what they've been able to do there, but it just I guess it just speaks to uh, leaning into who you are versus maybe chasing some of these these three pointers. And I also think that this particular tier is is Full of a f- it has a few teams that are succeeding relative to their perception of that team, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. even this Jazz, I think, given how high a lot of us were on the Jazz, and I know you were saying like you were always expecting them to have like a little bit of a rocky start, and that Donovan doesn't necessarily start seasons well. They th- this is a Spurs that team in college, by yeah. the way, as well. I mean, it happens yeah. to lots of teams, yeah. like lots of players who are just like it takes me twenty games to kind of get into the swing of things. But the Spurs, I think, we're freaking out about because we were like, this team's that may- maybe not going to make the playoffs for the first time, and should yeah. they tank and all this other stuff. Who said that? I mean, I think that the Spurs don't quote unquote tank except when they tanked for David Robinson to- for Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think that that was like a- in the in the conversation of like, well, what is this team going to do? Should they just get the sixth seed? What com- what conversation? <laughs> That's the conversation yeah, people have no, about every I mean, NBA team like, when they're like, like, oh, you're not injury gonna, after injury. If you're not winning like, the title, what are you doing? Yeah, if right. you're not going for a right. title. Yeah. Sure. The idea was that they might not make the playoffs. And right. I still think that's a possibility, even though that they have risen into what the four spot right now. I'm looking at the their point differential, it's plus one point six, which is about what everybody else is in the mix there. I think that the the West has bottomed out a little bit. 
But to a certain extent, like you expect the Lakers to make a run. The Clippers are feisty. The Wolves, if yeah. they keep Jimmy or even if not, they play like they did last night. Like, yeah. I, like there's going to be a lot of movement here. And especially like the Kings, like that's not an easy win anymore, perhaps. So yeah. I wouldn't say for sure that the Spurs are going to make the playoffs right now. Maybe Interesting. That's a, maybe that's a contrarian take. No, it's not. No. I mean, I think that there's a lot of very good teams on the outside looking in yeah. right now in the yeah. Western Conference. But... This is, we're too early now to be doing this, but in about two weeks, it won't be too early to be like, right. the Thunder are in trouble. Oh, yeah. You know, well, I like, think it's interesting that, like, if we expect some of this to, like, level out, because if you, like, we're talking about, you see, like, the Rockets where they are and the Thunder where they are, even the Clippers and whatnot. Like, the one thing that I, I'm worried about with the Spurs specifically is, like, they just cannot afford even, like, one slight injury anymore because of what happened before the season. So, if we expect things to level out and then we expect some injuries to come into play, that's where I can kind of see your case where, like, okay, maybe they, they don't make playoffs anymore. But I do think, to your point, like, it is interesting how we're like, oh, it's early. But, like, in the West, like, things were decided by so yeah, slim a margin exactly that right. every single game That's matters. exactly right. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll continue going through these made-up tiers of the NBA. Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by the new Showtime sports documentary series Shut Up and Dribble. Don't miss the three-part television event that's bigger than all the Woj bombs rolled into one. From executive producers LeBron James and Maverick Carter, this series takes you on a fast break across 60 years of politics, race, pop culture, and pro basketball. From Russell to Jabbar, from MJ to AI, the Dream Team to the Nightmare of the Malice at the Palace, and Civil Rights to Black Lives Matter. Shut Up and Dribble proves it was never just a game. Featuring exclusive interviews with the big O, Oscar Robertson, Bill Walton, Sir Charles Barkley, Bad Boys, Isaiah Thomas, and Bill Lambeer, Chris Bosh, Metal World Peace, Draymond Green, KD, and King James himself, plus the biggest names in hip-hop, entertainment, and news, including Kendrick Lamar, Common, broadcasting legend Bob Costas, and many more. Shut Up and Dribble starts streaming this Saturday only on Showtime for a free 30-day trial. Go to Showtime.com and enter the code DRIBBLE. This offer is for first-time subscribers only and expires November 24th. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Here's a little inside travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. And Hotel Tonight has partnered with these awesome hotels to help them sell those unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. Seriously, if you love scoring amazing deals, you've got to try Hotel Tonight. Forget scrolling through never-ending lists. Hotel Tonight shows you a select list of incredible deals at cool hotels they think you'll love. And they give you these short profiles of each hotel, complete with all the info you need and the pictures of what the rooms really look like. Plus, even though their name is Hotel Tonight, it's not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance. It's perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. I have used Hotel Tonight so many times over the last two years. I've gone to Lake Tahoe with it. I've gone to Palm Springs with it. I've gone to Seattle with it. I sometimes look at Hotel Tonight to see if there's any cool beach deals right here in Los Angeles so I can maybe take a little staycation. It's an awesome, awesome app. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. We're back on NBA group chat. Uh, I just dunked on Haley <laughs> by, by backing up some of my assertions with some pretty, pretty vibrant Reddit threads. So I asked it. him where he saw people talking about the Spurs tanking. So he Googled Spurs tank and a Reddit thread came up. So <laughs> I think I, I was, I was talking about it like figuratively. I, I do understand what you're saying. <laughs> yes. That you either are contending for a championship 
or you should be rebuilding for that or you need to start everything over and be super dramatic and tank but blow it up the spurs are never in that conversation i love the middle of the nba now well that's (laughs) great what a great segue because we're here to talk about this tier i'm calling the middle class oh 500 (laughs) clubs they win some they lose some the roster is what it is You're they're, you're not going to get an easy one on them, except when you will. What I, a, yeah. What a boring collection of teams, by the way. <laughs> this is the so yes, why don't you defend it? Because I feel yes. like this is these are the Danny Chow, Justin Verrier teams. Uh, don't don't let me in that. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so we have the Pistons, the Heat, the Hornets, and the Clippers. I think based on this season and what we know, we just made the face. Uh, I think this makes some sense, but I'm worried about every single team in this tier. There's something to be excited about for every team here. There's two things to be super concerned and or bored about. I can't I even get emotional enough about these teams yeah. to be concerned. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. concerned I'm right curious. What's the exciting thing for the Heat right now? That they in might trade mind. for Jimmy. Okay, sure. It's something might, outside of their might trade Because if you look at everyone else on their roster, like, dude, that's a solid roster. Yeah, but okay, sure. I mean, they're they're missing the most obvious piece, yeah. but everything about them is so. Look at the of the rest of the teams here. Maybe accepting the Clippers, you can make the argument for them. They're the most complete. I mean, I I think they're like Clippersies, where they, they don't have like a top guy, but they have like solid role players all around. Um. Yeah. I really like the Hornets because I just love watching Kemba. I'm I'm all in on the Hornets. I like, love Paolo's corners. He, he picks one like early in the season and he sticks with it through. I like the I like Hornets, the perseverance. I love the Hornets. And Paolo loves the Hornets. Yep. Paolo Great. hates chocolate. Paolo likes I do not hate chocolate. ice cream plain. One time What's I saw so him Why are you doxing Paolo right now? <laughs> what is happening right now? Because I want you to know exactly what the Hornets are. They are they're chips without salsa. To me. I like chips without salsa. <laughs> <laughs> the Hornets are actually not that boring and in some ways. Your though, guy, I, Malik. I, my, my guy, Malik, Malik Monk. Helps. Miles Bridges is good for a highlight at night. I think that they feel freer without Dwight Howard. It seems like if behind the scenes, Tony Parker is doing a lot of work to show guys about like how to kind of actually put together some wins in this league. Mm-hmm. They're four and four. They have a positive uh, point differential. They've won. Uh, I mean, like this is a 500 team, and I think they're going to make the playoffs. What do you think? I mean, like, do, wh- where where are you at with them? Uh, I do like what Borrego has done there. It seems like they're picking up the pace and like reverting back to small ball, which is why they had success. What was it three years ago? Now, where they made the playoffs and almost pushed the Heat, and or they almost beat the Heat in that seven game series in the first round. Yeah. Um, Dan Devine had a really good piece uh, in, or he talked about the Hornets within his five most interesting teams on Wednesday. And he did point out, like, what they're basically doing is not playing most of their front court players at all. Yeah, MKG's the Draymond, right? Right, and even Willie Herman Gomez, who is the 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 nominal center in the second unit, is a bit basically stretching for MKG to play center, which I think is super interesting. And they've essentially turned Kemba into like Steph Light. Yeah, and it's been- you were basically saying like, <laughs> oh, all these guys are like very like Rite Aid brand versions of these other players. That's fine, in the, That's <laughs> fine in the East. They have the second best offense in the league right Listen, now. <gasps> right, it has some quality products. Yeah. There you go. If you can't afford, <laughs> if you can't afford Kiehl's, you're going to go for the right hand moisturizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of these other middle class teams, much as it may pay us to do so. We've talked about the Hornets and the Heat. Justin, as a Clippersologist, uh, <laughs> what do you, how are you feeling about Doc's, Doc's group here? Uh, I think they're just really deep. 
and I think they've been able to push teams as a result of that. I think there is going to be a little bit of coming down uh, from what they've been able to do. I think they. I mean, they'll inevitably have like a crazy injury run. Well, yeah. that that too. Yeah, and if they're the type of team, if they do lose one or two players, I think there's a chance they could end up bottoming out, and we'll talk about them as a tanking team. Uh, but the other thing is, is just I think they've hit a lot of teams at the right time. Uh, like they caught the Wizards, they caught the Rockets when they're kind of in two games against the Rockets when they're kind of in disarray. Uh, the Thunder earlier in the season, they lost to the Nuggets, but they were h- hanging with them early on. I, I think they're going to be solid, and it really depends on how the West shakes out for them to have a chance. Right. I think you, with every conversation about every team in this group is going to end the same. It's like, they're going to be okay. Yeah. It kind of depends on everything else. But Can I push back? Sure. I think the Pistons are legit-ish. I think like Ooh. they're going I to... I smelled the smell <laughs> outside. I was like, what is he trying to oh, say? Oh, man. I think that... If they finish below a six seed, I would be surprised at this point. Because wow. I don't, I think after the top five in the East, which is solidified to a certain extent, I think the Sixers will probably jump in there by the, by the end of the season. Mm. I just don't see who else is out there unless the Heat get Jimmy. And I think that Blake Griffin is a good enough player, win healthy, to lead a team to a like middling success in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they lost by a point to the Dinwiddie crazy Nets last night, uh, 119-120 in overtime. They've played a couple overtime games already. They played one against the Sixers. Uh, They they are certainly like an entertaining team to watch. I think the reason why I'm a little higher on the Heat and the Clippers than the Pistons and the Hornets here is because the Heat and the Clippers both feel like they have deals in them. You know what I mean? And that doesn't necessarily make them better, but it means like, oh, you guys could put something together and make a move for someone it once the trade market starts yeah. to heat up. I also up. think both of those, the Heat and the Clippers, just have more longevity in their roster. Sure. Guys who have like taken the season far enough and like have seen this before, whereas the Pistons... I don't like the Pistons backcourt. I, I don't trust yeah. the Pistons at all, to be honest. I don't, yeah, I don't like the Ish-Reggie combo It's very close. heavy And I, I enjoy Ishmith, Point Blake. And I love Ish, but I'm like, that's a lot of Ish. Yeah, yeah but we talk about teams that have moves to make. I think that the, the Pistons could be buyers. They could take advantage of the market. I mean, Windhorse is already talking about Kyle Korver, them being in the mix for him. And like, he won't move the needle that much, but that's just like another player. And maybe they're the type of team like the Pelicans in the past couple of years willing to sacrifice another first-round pick just mm-hmm. to like make the most of this team. Because like, what is even the window? Well, this like, is also... The next two years? You know, we never really... We have, we haven't really talked about this, but for each one of these teams, there are, and I think I'm more aware of this right now because of NFL stuff. And I was listening to Maze and Clark yesterday on the NFL show, and they were talking a lot about like what the Eagles and the Rams were doing to just kind of just be like, there is no tomorrow. Like we're just going to get Golden Tate, we're just going to get Dante Fowler, mm-hmm. we're just going to surround these rookie contract quarterbacks with as much crazy talent as possible, and see if we can win a Super Bowl or two in the process. We don't really talk about that so much with the NBA because we're always so aware of like this five-year plan, trust the process. Mm -hmm. But with the Pistons, they have an empty gym and maybe they should be buyers. You know what I mean? Maybe they should sacrifice. in that spot because they have Blake locked down. Yeah. Right. And they're going to have to pay him $40 million anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And we know, and Blake is 29, but he he seems like he's like 32. Yeah. I mean, his his span (laughs) is small. And I think, honestly, let's, let's see. The Pistons are in that category. The Rockets are very much in that category. Signing Chris Paul. The Warriors are too, but it just doesn't seem like they're nearly locked down enough because they have a clear path to winning more titles. Are there any other teams that are so locked in to, okay, like the two years from now, like this contract, all of our contracts might be a mess. So we really have to win right now, make this count because otherwise like 
Lakers. We're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Lakers. No, no way. Not the Lakers. The Lakers at window all. is LeBron. Yep. That is true. But the and Lakers I, have a bunch of one year deals in young guys. They're not nearly in the same position. No, I agree with you, but they're not. The reason why I, I just think that like the Lakers are going to make deals under pressure because this experiment is not going to have the long road that we think it is. I just mm. think that when I when I the think runway about, is not there for them to be like in three years. Sure, when sure. LeBron is like thirty three or however long you know however will will we be in. 37? How old will we be in three years? Uh, He's 33 right now. He's going to be 34 in December. Right. So when LeBron is turning 37, that's when we'll have everything put together here. Sure. And that's not what I'm saying, but they have so much flexibility now. They have so much more flexibility in this moment. Whereas Mm -hmm. like the Pistons... Like the Wiz? The Pistons best... Yeah, the Wiz also we could throw in there, but they're younger, so I don't think it's as scary. And more talented. What you're saying about Detroit taking the same route that New Orleans did, I think that's their best case scenario because there's only so much you can budge with this roster. And it really worked out with Pelicans. They made a couple tweaks. Mm-hmm. It's and interesting. Suddenly, I, you, you on the fly have come up with another tier. That the we have to do this now tier. The ones who are locked in. Yeah. 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 This is what we are and we have to make the most of it tier. And the Pelicans, again, are in that tier simply because they have to show to Anthony Davis right. that they can compete on a high level. Yeah, and then talk about stakes. I mean, we have no idea what that franchise looks like if he leaves. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I've seen it. When he wasn't playing. It's taking place in the Pacific Northwest. It's Tim Frazier yeah. jacking 20 shots. Um, the next tier I have here is called This Is Fine, which is a, a popular mame with the kids wow. on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. I know what it is. <laughs> uh, this is uh, teams that I think are, uh, they're gripping the wheel a little tight right now in various ways. The Rockets, the Thunder, the Sixers, the T-Wolves, the Cavs, and the Wizards. Now, some teams may have had no business thinking they were going to be any good. Some teams may have thought they were going to be better than they were. Some teams had no idea these storm clouds were coming for them, but they're certainly getting rained on right now. So let's talk about these teams that are trying to weather weather the storm in the early part of the season. We could start wherever you want. I think Um, that the Cavs are the only team that we expected to have their degree of problems. Like that, it was in the realm of possibility. I was, uh, yeah, and I was. Yeah. I, and I, I think the Cavs are 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 going to be bad, but this is. The, I think losing your coach six games in is just throws them into this category, and yeah. also not being able to hire an interim coach. <laughs> and uh, prob- I'm really, really happy that Tyloo got out and still gets paid and won rings. And yeah, just doesn't have to deal Ring. with coaching just this one team. Of them, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just one of them. true. He only did one. Um, I think. I Listen, don't, I, I don't know I, if I believe that the Sixers should be in this tier. Here's what I'll put them in there. I'll just run through really quickly. The Rockets are in this tier because uh, they're not very good right now. And mm-hmm. because they, it, it, we may be at the point where Carmelo is actually a curse, you know, to have him on your team. Right. Um, the Thunder are here because they cannot seem to get out of first gear. And they still have the same problems that they have had for the entire Russell Westbrook administration. The Sixers are here because they are experimenting with the long-term viability of Markel Fultz as their point guard, even though they are a much better team with him off the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, The T-Wolves are here because they are the T-Wolves. The Cavs are here because they're going to have to do a full-scale teardown rebuild in the middle of the season, it looks like, with like probably trading Korver, probably trading Love. J.R. Smith's hardly with the team anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're like, play the kids, and the kids are, with the exception of Sexton and Osmond, bad. You know, like if you're talking about Hood and uh, Clarkson, right? Yep. Yep. I, th- and the Wiz are the, the, Wiz, the, Wiz, are the, Wiz. the Wiz are the worst the of the bunch. The Wiz have already had like the mid-season players only meeting and we're six games, seven games in the season. Having said that, okay. 
do we think the Wiz are going to miss the playoffs? No. That's the thing. Like, it's still so early. I will, I, I will say, I think that the early part of the season matters more than people give it credit to. I think you could dig yourself out of a hole. But if you look back historically, the teams that are bad usually stay bad. Having said that, I think the Wizards are the type of team, if the, if the East is so weak. I don't think it's weak. And the Wizards yes. are one and it's six. Definitely not and who are the Wizards going to just look at the standings? Who yep. are the Wizards going to knock out of the uh, of the playoffs? I was right just going to say, as looking at the standings the other day, I was like, the East teams are set. Like, like you. I wouldn't make, be surprised if this is the playoffs. Case. This is already set. That's a good point, but I think like the Heat are soft. I think like even the Pistons, even despite what I said, the Hornets. I think those are the type of teams. If an injury or even just like general malaise totally. <laughs> sets in, totally. Yeah. I would say injury. I would. I would say that the eight teams that are there right now, I'm like. If you told me that this was the final playoff pairings, I would be like, yeah. oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, oh, it totally makes sense. But, God, the Wizards just have so much talent. And just There's this constant nagging feel Dude, despite everything that they're weird. saying. Do they? Yeah. Do I, they? I think Beal's really good. I, I think, think Beal's Porter really good, too. Is really good. I love Beal, but... And then Wall is, like, kind of destructive. Not even kind of. Go either. ahead. You know, what, <laughs> you know what I noticed about all of these teams is that they're all teams that are forcing something to happen okay they're forcing something to be with the wizards like they're kind of forcing this core to work mm. with the wolves they're forcing this weird i mean they're forcing <laughs> everything i'm not even yeah gonna the sixers exactly what you said with markel yeah the rockets i don't even know if carmelo is <laughs> the biggest issue that they're forcing yeah but yeah that it. which is crazy to think about but yes what, they also Quick lost aside. their defensive coordinator. They yep. also seem to just kind of just be chilling. a year older. And mm-hmm. and and this is this would be fine if the Rockets were kind of playing this more like um, later period Garnett Pierce Celtics team. That's just like wake us up in January mm-hmm. and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll solidify our playoff seating and like get ready for the playoffs. But I think that everybody. I don't think we expected a one year window from the Chris Paul Harden axis, and that's what's going on here. Yeah. And I think that they thought they were that team. But they're not just losing these games by a couple points. No, they're getting they have blown off the floor. Yeah. And so if they were, if it was just like a couple cl- uh, crunch time malfunctions, I would be like, okay, maybe we just give them a chance. But I really do think that they're at the point where they might need a Cavs style reboot mid season. Yeah. If it's not Jimmy, maybe just like trying to reshuffle the bench unit. So goes- minor pieces, definitely. Because when you, I mean, it's James Harden and Chris Paul, they're going to carry you into the playoffs without a doubt but like they're they're side pieces they're core pieces that's what i and it goes sorry it goes back to kind of what i tried to like mention earlier which was the continuity thing because yeah you still have james harden and chris paul but because you lost i i I know we probably like overrate a reason in this scenario but But are we look i mean that's the thing is like i feel like they're they lost their con their role player continuity a little bit and that has cost them early on because they're having to play guys like Marquise Chris and I say at Hartenstein like what I mean I don't, what are we doing the Rockets and the Sixers are kind of similar to me in a little bit of a way uh, it, recently Embiid came out after a game and they were asking about the three point struggles and he was like well we got rid of the guys who could shoot threes and the guys we have can't shoot threes as well and he was obviously talking about Ilyasova and Bellinelli but whether that was like shots at Markel Fultz I don't know but like the the, the idea is basically like it's the little things on these teams that make them good mm-hmm. sometimes. And Mba, Mute, and Ariza, while limited, were, were obviously important pieces. And to say nothing of the fact that Carmelo Anthony and Marquise Chris are not those guys. You know what I mean? They're not, hey, we do the little things. Hey, we keep the everybody in the locker room's head on a swivel. Like this is this is the, like these little decisions teams make here and there that can screw up 
a season. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to wonder with the Sixers, I know we talk about the Rockets as a Jimmy destination. Like, do the Sixers start to worry too much and they start to think about their timeline and that they need to get another star in there as, as soon as possible? Just based I think, on I, I mean, come up? So there's two schools of thought. There is the Elton Brand interview with Zach Lowe where he said <laughs> the window for our team is Ben's rookie contract. Yeah. The window to add another star is so the clock is ticking on that. Mm-hmm. But they're not playing like that. They're playing like a team that's like, we're going to go for the championship in two or three years yeah. because they're playing Markel Fultz at point guard. And if that, if they were serious about like putting games away, uh, they wouldn't start him. They would bring him off the bench. They would have him play against lesser competition. They would be able to like hide him in different places. And instead, they've screwed up the starting lineup and are actually winning games in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when they actually are like, okay, let's go out and put Redick out there with TJ and and go after these teams like that. So... There's a little bit of mixed messaging going on there. Yeah, which is what we advocated for going into the season, just taking your time. You are you have a good core, figure out the full thing, because that will be your uh, entry point to finding the next star, whether that's him or trading him. I think the issue is that the playoffs last year naturally raised the expectations we had for them. Mm-hmm. And those kind of coasted into... We coasted into the season with those expectations in mind, or maybe a lot of people did of like... Okay, so the Sixers, top three, top two in the East, like easily. Like it was, it was barely even a conversation. But I think given that they're trying to do this first half thing, and also just like there's still a young team, like I think some regression was expected, which is why I'm not, I'm not like worried about them. I just think that they need to figure out this like uh, half development. They're half a grand experiment, team. man. And I don't I think, think that, anyone's allowing them that regression because we think of them as so right. much more advanced in their age. Yeah, and I think that they're also, like, they're not a soap opera, but you will get an answer like that from Embiid. And maybe that answer comes from somebody who's like, I know that, like, I you know, he, it's not his career is fleeting, but, like, he's had enough injuries and enough significant injuries to know that, like, you know, while you've got me on the floor and while I'm in my prime and while I'm healthy and while I'm getting better and better, like, we should try to be the best possible team we can be. It's so interesting how teams that might panic for Jimmy, they're also different. The mm-hmm. Rockets would because they are like this, this is, is the the, probably yeah. their year. I mean, it's looking more and more like next year like won't even matter because this year is starting. We're starting to be curious if right. they'll be competitive with the Warriors at the end of the season. Whereas the Heat, like I don't even compared to the Sixers who are so much younger. I don't even see like the Sixers seem like they're panicking so much more or that they would be panicking. Maybe it's just because there's just more people in the media who are obsessed with the Sixers. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like that could actually have something to do with the conversation around these teams. Let's move on to the next category. I have called this one in honor of the Sixers, trust the process, which is just teams that have been bad for a while that are starting to see uh, some light at the end of the tunnel in various ways. We talk a lot about the Lakers. Uh, We talked about, you know, I don't really know what a success is for this team. I've never seen a LeBron team feel more... I, even off-the-court LeBron teams often feel chaotic. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a more chaotic on-the-court team. Yeah, just in terms of like how they're organized. Yeah, and also the fact that no game is won until the buzzer actually sounds. Oh, yeah. Also, LeBron's body language has always been very transparent. Yes. Right. I mean, he is literally pointing at you and telling you, you're in the yeah. wrong spot and you need to get in the wrong spot. And it doesn't help that he has like literally giant muscles that are fucking moving right. everywhere. It's just like the way that he, I mean, the way that he is on the court yeah. has never also looked so like frustrated like he's coaching kids. Mm-hmm. It does feel a little more directive like it's so seeing him up close it's seeing it's funny seeing him sometimes just like literally like stand on top of the key and just like 
I know that guys do this because they call for screens or whatever, but it's so like, I don't know. It just feels like he's, he's like lording over them. Really, you know what like, I'm yeah, saying? Like, it's just like, okay, like like points. And then it's like, give me the screen like right here. Yeah. I think if you look at his line from last night in the win over Dallas, you would say, wow, vintage LeBron. He's 11 for 19, 29 points, assists, rebounds, all there. But it seemed like he was maybe like 75% yeah. of what he can be. And I think I was talking to someone at, a, at the game last night. I think the idea is just like, this is what, early season LeBron at 33 going on 34 is Mm -hmm. right now. Simply like in order to pace himself, he has just figured out what he can give in an early season regular game, regular season game. And to his credit, like that's kind of what the Lakers need right now. They need to figure out who these young guys are. They need to play some of the Jonathan Williams on their bench just to like, to make sure they have able bodies come February. Yeah, yeah. It's really kind of tied to, weirdly kind of tied to the Sixers thing where they have to, where the Sixers are doing this with faults. But the Lakers are just have to do this because their team is full of these ideas. Yeah, they, they have, have like a, t- a, you know a team full yeah, of Fultz's. Exactly. Uh, the other teams in this tier are the Kings and the Nets and the Grizz. Does anybody here jump out? I mean, these are just teams that I'm like, oh, you know. I think the Nets are the most ready of yeah. the three. And then Kings and then I know this is unpopular opinion, but I put Grizz the third. Okay. I, Kings, I, baby. What? Kangs, baby. Kangs. Kangs. Let's talk Kangs. about the Kangs. Is well, this real? No, but they're, <laughs> they're just really fun. Uh, and they are closer to being average than at any point in the last decade. Yeah. Uh, I think De'Aaron Fox is really good. Uh, I think that Buddy Heald has showed a little bit of progress, uh, more progress than we've seen from him in the past couple of years. And I think getting rid of some of their other wing riffraff and Bogdan Bogdanovich not being there right now has allowed him to step into that void. And all of a sudden, Willie Cauley-Stein in a contract year. Yeah, Willie Contract Stein. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great yeah, one of my proudest moments. <laughs> uh, just, I, I think he's been properly motivated and just the pace that they're playing at fits these players. And it's just like, why weren't you doing this three years ago. Right. It's so outrageous when you look at their roster. It's just a friggin' <laughs> McDonald's All-American team. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And now all of these guys at various points have had like ACL t- ruptures or <laughs> yeah. played in Europe oh, yeah. or whatever, but it's just like, oh yeah, Ben McLemore, Harry Giles, Scal, uh, Frank Mason, Bagley, you know, it's, it's like all these Bagley. guys. Truly the college basketball Sean. fans, <laughs> NBA team. Yeah. Truly. They, they're like the top half. I was just looking at that. They're the top half, both offense and defense. So like they're 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 like legitimately, statistically, legitimately good. I think I, I'm not the first person I think to make this point, but I think because the league is, you know, we all talked about it, like trending faster and higher scoring and the freedom of movement rules and all that. Like it lends itself well to teams like the Kings that can that can mm-hmm. do that. So like on on other nights where they would have just been like overpowered, they can keep up with teams because of the pace. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think that's interesting where, like, it, it, it kind of puts them back into, like you said, average. Yeah. Because yeah. of that. Uh, speaking of average, this Grizzlies team is sort of the reverse of that Kings team where mm-hmm. they have two, obviously, all-NBA quality players, but who have seen better days health-wise. And then they have this just collection, aside from Jared Jackson, this just collection of, like, guys who are, like, Oh yeah, I'm just the Swiss Army knife. And they have like a bunch of Swiss Army knives around these two really good players. And then you're seeing Jaron Jackson who's scoring like basically a point for every minute that he's on the floor. He's like 11 points a game, 22 points, 22 minutes a game. Uh, 
What do you guys have you watched the Grizz at all this season? Not as much as I would like to, but the sense I get from them from, from the little I've seen is they've almost like reverted back to what worked a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They're playing a little bit slower. They're a little bit more of a grinded well, out you have sort to of team. You have Kyle Anderson. That's <laughs> <laughs> that and Marcus All and Mike Conley, who can play at different paces, but yeah. is much more of a steady hand. Um I expect them to take a step back. I just don't necessarily believe there. And there's always the injury concern with their core players. And if they lose one of them for I don't know, a couple games. I think that's enough. To well, they're playing back. ten guys a game, more than double digits. I was going to say their their scoring is well rounded, hmm. which is a positive sign because of injuries. Maybe they could sustain someone being off the court for a couple games, but I just cannot see this continuing. Yeah, on. I I one of the takes I was trying out preseason was like the Grizzlies are going to be good, <laughs> or like they're going to be like decent enough to make the playoffs, just because I like believe in my calling. <laughs> just let me be workshopping takes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Because I just like love watching Mike Conley and I think he's really good. And so same with Marcus All. But I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna regress. I just imagine you with like a pint of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> vanilla and a bag of Tostitos with no salsa. <laughs> no like, salsa. Boy, Mike Conley's good. That's Split my Friday screen. night. Hornets on one side, <laughs> on the other. What's funny is when I stumbled upon Paolo in the uh, in the Lakers press room yesterday, he was getting chips with no salsa. <laughs> <laughs> there was no salsa, to be clear. Oh, okay. okay, dude, you better hope Bobby just le- like loses this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the ne- the other t- the last two tiers here. Uh, I have wait till next year, which is not quite tank division. So wait till mm. next year and tank division are the last two tiers. Wait till next year. I have Knicks and Mavs which are tanking teams that you can feel good about. Now, I don't know if the Mavs will call what they're doing tanking. You saw them last night. I guess mm-hmm. they're pretty competitive. Yeah, Luka is incredible. All right, yeah. tell me a little about it. I think that Luka just plays at a certain pace that's his own. He's not necessarily going fast. He's not necessarily going slow. But he just has this command of the court that's just... It's rare for any player, let alone a, what, 19, 20-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you saw last night at that game, he kind of willed them back into it, hitting a couple big shots. And he's really their accelerant. Uh, and it's really been exciting to see what he's doing. And even having said that about his maturity on the court... Off the court, still a huge LeBron fan. Huge LeBron Paul fan. and I caught him waiting for a, a signed LeBron jersey after the game. That he was handed, that somebody handed to him that was like somebody that wasn't LeBron came out and like it was like, hey, he 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 got this for you or whatever. LeBron yeah. didn't give it to him. No, he didn't no. come out and, and I, I, the writing just, on it was was hilarious. It was the most like basic stuff. It was like strive for greatness. Get it, guy. Strive for greatness. Hashtag. He probably just has a bag of those. He looked so happy though. He was thrilled. Yeah, he was. What a beta. <laughs> <laughs> the last division here I have is the tank division. We can talk really quickly if, you, if there's any of these terrible, terrible basketball teams you want to talk about. The Hawks, the Magic, the Suns, the Bulls. This is everything going towards next year. I know Markinen's coming back, Paolo. Is that nope, what you were going to say? That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, I, I, didn't, I didn't fully expect the Suns to be all the way down here. Like, I thought they were going to be at least a little bit better. Yeah, that's like, like when you, you thought I would rank them better or no, no, you no, thought no, they just, would be I, better? I, I don't disagree that they belong here right now, but I thought that we... I would kind put of like them in the trust you know, the process signs of life. Because that's where I thought winning. they would be. Yes. I think that they but play they better. Will be. And I think uh, like Booker playing under Igor's offense is going to be like, he's going to have gaudy stats if he can stay healthy. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I just lost. keep, I keep thinking about this Aiton thing. I just keep mm. thinking about the, the Luca. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a thing in a year or two. Like Aiton's going to be a double, double guy that just doesn't matter. Well, yeah, Aiton has been really sharp offensively. He like he's shown a little bit more skill than I even realized, and I didn't really do much scouting, so I didn't realize anything. But like defensively, they are atrocious. They lost by thirty at home. Yeah, and you just you're a not rookie. a good team if you lose that by that much. Yeah, at home. yeah, and you're if he's a rookie and he'll figure some stuff out, and he, you know. 
But what like the best case scenario for Eaton as a defender is still kind of a liability. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's still a bit of a lug. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he's just a huge body and he has to be able to move and switch and get on the perimeter. And that's still to be seen. Um, it's The early returns are better than what I expected and what I'd heard about him. But I think that's going to be his, his kind of cross the bear going forward. I'm all for, player, for players getting their money, but I do wish we had a reason on a better team. Well, you might get your wish. <laughs> yeah, well, eventually I will. But yeah, I just, you know. Haley, anybody from the tank division that jumps out at you? No, but I was looking at this and I'm sad that we skipped over the Nets. Oh, this is a team that used to be in the tank division and now is not. So why don't we talk a little bit about the Nets to sign us off? And also have very uh, positive projections. I, think. I have a question for positive what? projections statistically or like astro- astro- astrology of, wise. I think a lot of the players that we do you remember like two years ago when we saw that picture of the Nets players and we were like, it's hilarious. The Nets media day picture. How many of them can you name? Yeah. And yeah. the answer was like zero. <laughs> right. Like some of those guys, not literally the guys in the picture, because I went and looked at it the other day to see if like Levert was one of them. But like they're not those nets anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know who their starting five yeah. are. Which yeah. Is, People know who Jared Allen and yeah. Karis you know Levert what? and Daniel like Russell are. Them. I like watching Levert. I like watching Jared Allen a lot. I like watching Dinwiddie. Uh, I'm. Come on, Russell. It's tough seeing really D'Angelo on watching. the bench like last night when Spencer Dewitty was hitting those ice in his vein shots and D'Angelo is just on the bench just like in his warm-ups. And it's just like... At the beginning of the year, I was like, this could be his year. Like maybe he'll be like most improved player or something. But he's not even like the third most likely on that team to yeah. win most improved player. Yeah. What were you going to say? I don't think I had anything to say. Nothing on the bets? Okay. We're going to wrap up group chat there. Thanks for sitting through this with the tears. I think I think it's an interesting concept. Love, love to your talk. <laughs> we came uh, up with it. Uh, tomorrow we have the corner three with Sharks, Danny, and Kevin O'Connor. And join us, of course, for uh, Heat Check on Mondays. We'll be with you all week next week. I think there's going to be a source to say. So keep it locked on NBA, the Ringer NBA show. Thanks for listening. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.